Go ahead and take your Bibles out tonight, and uh, this is a very, very special service because it's a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at a, a, a good number of passages tonight. Most of them will all be kind of around the same, uh, the same place, but I guess the question, and, and, and some of us already know the answer to this, I suppose, but... Uh, um, what is the Lord's Supper? Uh, the Lord's Supper is a memorial meal that was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself on the night before he was crucified, the night before he was to go through all of the things that he went through for us, and that symbolizes his death, symbolizes the, the, the blood that he shed for us in that death. And Matthew chapter 26 is the Last Supper. And, you know, it's, it's a famous painting, you know, by Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper. Uh, but that's given to us in Matthew chapter 26, and this is where the Lord instituted uh, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is uh, one of the two ordinances that's ordained by the Lord that we as Christians are required to partake in. Baptism is one of them, and the Lord's Supper is the other. And those are things that can only be done by those who are Christians, should only be done by those who are Christians. Um, in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 26, the Bible says this, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Now, he's, he's with his disciples in the upper room. He's gotten all of his disciples together, all 12 of them and Jesus, and this is where they are. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, the Apostle Paul plainly tells us, and, and we're going to look at some of these. In fact, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But he, he plainly tells us that the Lord's Supper is a memorial, something that we ought to be doing in remembrance of Jesus Christ. It's a memorial, but it's also a picture. He says, ye do show, in verse uh, number 26 of chapter 11. We're going to get there in just a minute, but... Um, you know, there are some who believe in this idea of what's called transubstantiation. I know that's a long word for a term that you don't necessarily know a lot about. The Catholics believe in this. Transubstantiation is they believe that when you take the bread, that it literally becomes the body of Jesus Christ as you eat it. When you drink the, the grape juice, it literally becomes the blood of Jesus Christ as you drink it. That's never what it was intended. Jesus, when he gave the, the, the bread to the disciples, was not literally giving them a piece of his body. He was not literally giving them his blood. He was doing it as a way for them to remember it and as a memorial for what they were going to be doing later on in remembering what he had done for them. It was a way to remember that his body was broken for them. It was a way to remember that his blood was shed for them. And that's exactly what he talks about. So let's look at a few things here by way of introduction, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's, this is part of the message tonight, but, but by way of introduction, what are the requirements for taking the Lord's Supper? Because I can tell you this, and we're going to look at this in a little bit as well. This is definitely something that you don't want to take lightly. The Lord's Supper is not something that should be taken lightly at all. And, and, and again, I mentioned, this, I mentioned it this morning. I don't have a problem with a church that does it every week, as long as they're doing it for the right reasons and in the right way. Uh, we choose not to do it that often because I want it to be something special. I want it to be something that we do as a way to remember exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. But the Bible says, uh, first of all, that the individual, somebody that's taking the Lord's Supper, but the individual must be a born-again Christian. 
You ought not to take the Lord's Supper unless you're saved. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. What he's talking about is we've all been saved. We're all partakers of the same grace that Jesus Christ shows to us when we accepted him as our Savior. That's a requirement. You ought to be saved. You, you need to be a Christian in order to, to take the Lord's Supper. The second requirement we see in Acts chapter, 40, uh, Acts chapter 2. The second requirement is that the individual must be a baptized member of the church. You must be saved. You must be baptized. Look, look back at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're given the story of Pentecost. And some believe that, that at Pentecost was when the first church uh, was formed, and, and, I, and I agree with that. I believe the church was birthed at Pentecost, but Peter got up and preached, and 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people. There was a lot of people there, but 3,000 of them got saved. But look what happens. Verse 41, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, here's an important part. There are some churches, and, and again, I don't have any problem with a church that believes this, believes that only the members of that church can partake of the Lord's Supper. Only members of that particular church can partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, membership is very important. And if you're not a member of the church, I, it's something that you ought to seriously consider. After you're saved and baptized, you see exactly what happened with these, with these that were there at Pentecost. They were saved, they were baptized, they were added to the church. Being added to the church means they became members of that church. Uh, I don't necessarily, so, so there's, there's three types of communion, all right? All of them dealing with the exact same thing, but three ways that communion is given. Some believe in closed communion, um, and that means that only the members of that particular church can partake in the communion. Some believe in open communion, means anybody that wants to can partake in it. Saved, not saved, however, we believe in what is called close communion, and that is if you're saved and you're baptized in a church of like faith, then you can partake in the Lord's Supper. Uh, that means if, if uh, you know, Miss Barbara has somebody that comes in from out of town who goes to another Baptist church that's been saved and baptized and they show up at the service, we're not going to say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave while we take the Lord's Supper. They can be a part of that, you know. So <clears throat> as long as you're saved, baptized, and of course then the last thing is this. Well, we'll look at the last thing in a second. Let me show you another couple verses. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says... But now I have written in verse number 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard, drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, know not to eat. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse number 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Wherefore, my brethren, verse, verse 33, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Paul was writing this to the church at Corinth, and what he's saying is, this is not a big supper. You're not coming here because you're starving and you want to eat something. This is literally to be done as a way to remember what Jesus Christ did for us, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his broken body, his shed blood. 
So the individual that's taking part in the Lord's Supper must be a born-again Christian, must be baptized. And the third thing is that the individual must be in fellowship with the Lord. And I think this is probably, uh, well, I wouldn't say that this is the most important part, but it's the most important, for, for part, the most important part for those of us who are here that are saved. Because this really involves striving to live a life of holiness before God, a life of obedience to God, and it requires that we carefully confess our sins. Now, we're not Catholics. I don't believe that you have to come confess your sins to me. I don't believe that you have to come confess your sins to the rest of the church, but you ought to confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to make sure that you have nothing in your heart, and, and we'll see why here in, in just a second. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You're already there, but verse number 27. He says this, Wherefore... Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, that's a serious accusation. To eat unworthily? To take this unworthily? Look what it says then, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. This is such an important passage in the Bible. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, if you eat, if you take the Lord's Supper with sin in your life, you are literally eating and drinking damnation to yourself. That's how, he, that's how serious God is about us not taking the Lord's Supper unworthily not taking the Lord's Supper with sin in our life. That's what he's talking about. This is something that is so serious and so important. And he says, for that, for that reason, people who, who take the Lord's Supper with sin in their life, for that reason, there are some that are sick among you. There are some that are dead because they ate the Lord's Supper unworthily. That's how serious he is about this. And I, don't, I can't say that, oh, that person is sick because they took the Lord's Supper unworthily, or that person died because they... They, they took the Lord's Supper when they, weren't, you know, uh, when they weren't clean before God. But I'm sure that there's been many people who have died that God took because they took the Lord's Supper unworthily. People that are sick because they took the Lord's Supper unworthily. It's an important, important, and very serious thing that God talks about here. Now, turn over to 1 John chapter 1. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 11 because we're going to come back to this. But 1 John chapter 1. Now, he says there's a way to get to the place where we can take the Lord's Supper, Supper worthily, and that is just to examine yourself. Look in your heart. See if there's something in there that you need to get right with the Lord, and then get it right. He says you don't want to take this unworthily. If you would judge yourself, if you would look at your own life and see what you have in there that needs to be gotten out, then the Lord doesn't have to do that judging for you. This is... The, the Lord's Supper is such a perfect plan that God instituted. And let, let me tell you why. Because he says we're commanded to do it. We're commanded to take the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus Christ. But we're also commanded not to take it unworthily. We're also commanded not to take it with sin in our lives. So essentially, it is a time when we are required and commanded to get our lives clean. If every Christian that took the Lord's Supper took the Lord's Supper as serious as the Lord takes it, then we would never 
have sin that lasted in our lives for years and years and years and years and years that we need to get out. Because if we were serious the way the Lord is serious about this, when we take the Lord's Supper, we would be clean before him when we do it. He commands us to take the Lord's Supper, but he commands us to be clean when we take it. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, that's perfect verses to share with somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, I've never sinned. I don't need Jesus Christ. No, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Uh, and then you added one more to it because you lied on top of that. But 1 John was written to saved people. There's people out there that say, well, once I got saved, I've never committed any sin again. The Bible says you're a liar. You've, you've deceived yourself. Because we all sin. We all have things in our lives that are besetting sins, I suppose you could say. Weights that so easily beset us, like the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. And because we are walking through a dirty world, we're going to get dirty from time to time. And we've got to get those things clean. We've got to get those things right. So the requirements for the Lord's Supper is that you be saved, that you be baptized, but then also that you be clean before the Lord. There's a second part of the Lord's Supper, and I want to look at that quickly, and that is this, the fourfold look at the Lord's Supper. And the first is found right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's the backward look. The backward look, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he break it, talking about the bread, and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this, is the, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The backward look causes us as believers to look back to the cross of Christ, which is the source of our salvation. Had Jesus Christ never been broken on the cross, had Jesus Christ never shed his blood on the cross, we wouldn't have salvation. And by the way, the blood of Jesus Christ is very important to that death. The death of Jesus Christ was not what brought our salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at the cross is what brought our salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus Christ could not have been killed by a mob that, you know, uh, somebody, somebody uh, you know, did something in some way that killed him without shedding of blood. Jesus Christ's death would not have done enough to buy our salvation. It had to be the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. So the backward look causes us to look back at the cross, but then we have the look around, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 25. We just read that verse. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Get this, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That's a plural word. Our term today might be you all or y'all, right? He says that. 
For as often as you all eat this bread and drink this cup, you all do show the, show the Lord's death until he comes. So when I'm talking about the look around, we're talking about the fact that we should be reminded that we're part of a body. We are the body of Christ. We're part of a family of believers and that we're not just individuals walking through this world as Christians. We are a body of believers. We should be doing this together. You know, when you go through a... Um, and, and, and that's honestly, that's one of the things that, that draws uh, police officers together in a community. It's what draws the military members together in a community. Because when you go through something difficult with somebody else, you're drawn together for good. You know, you, you know that you've got that person's back and they got your back, right? And that's the same thing that as believers. We are Christians going through a dirty, filthy world together. And we're working together to try to be as holy and as righteous before God as we can. And so when we take the Lord's Supper, it says, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. You have the backward look, the look around. But the third thing is the forward look. It says this in, in chapter 11 and verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. When? Till he come. The forward look is the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come back someday. It causes us to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ and to be mindful of the fact that we need to be ready for Jesus Christ to come at any minute. Could you imagine if Jesus Christ came back? And, and, and the Bible says that, that the day or the hour knoweth no man. There's all kinds of people who try to predict when Jesus Christ is going to come back. I can guarantee you one thing. He'll never come back on the day that somebody predicts that he's going to come back. Because the Bible says that no man knoweth the day or the hour that Jesus Christ is going to come. And you know what that means? We need to be ready for him to come in any minute. He could come tonight. He could come tomorrow. He could come 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years from now. We don't know when he's coming. But I want to be clean when he does come. I want to be right with him when he does come. I don't want to be caught in the middle of doing something that I shouldn't be doing. I want to be caught in the middle of doing something that I should be doing. And I want to be caught clean before him. And that's why we have this forward look. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Because as often as you do it, I'm coming back. Do it, do it till I come back. And then we have, lastly, which we already kind of touched on, but the inward look. We have the backward look at the cross of Christ to look around and be reminded that we are a body of believers. The forward look that's reminding us that Jesus Christ is coming back. But then we have the inward look, and we looked at this already, but it says in verse number 28, But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The inward look, it causes us as believers to look inside of ourselves and to judge ourselves to see if our spiritual condition is right before the Lord. And if it's not, Here's the thing. If our spiritual condition is not right before the Lord, it doesn't mean, well, I better not take the Lord's Supper because my spiritual condition is not right. It means get it right. Get it taken care of. You're commanded to take the Lord's Supper. You can't, it's not an option on whether or not you're going to skip it. Obviously, for some of the kids that, that are not saved yet, and there's, I mean, certainly we, we don't want to push them into those things. We want them to know what they're doing. We want them to remember what they did. And so, you know, as part of the Lord's Supper, they're not going to take the Lord's Supper, but it's, it's not a knock on them. They're just not ready for it yet because they don't understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Same reason why we don't baptize babies and everything else. Baby has no idea what it's doing when you're dumping water all over its head, right? 
Same thing as going through a bath for the baby. This is something that has to be done by somebody who understands what they're doing. To be saved, you have to have the mental capacity to be able to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. To be baptized, you have to make that conscious decision to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And to be clean, you have to make sure that you are getting everything out in your life that you need to get out. Not, well, I'm not ready to take the Lord's Supper, so I'm just going to pass this time. No, we're commanded to do it if we're saved. But you better not do it unworthily, he says. So you better look inside yourself, judge yourself, and get it right. Get it right. Lord's Supper reminds believers of the glorious sacrifice that, that redeemed us unto the Lord forever. What a tremendous sacrifice it was. We sang that song, Man of Sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And that's what this whole thing is about. We're going to have a time of invitation before we take the Lord's Supper because this is something very serious that we do before God. We're commanded to do it, but we're commanded not to do it unworthily, and we've covered that. But I want to give you an opportunity to get some things right with God, if that's what you need to do tonight before we take the Lord's Supper. I believe God did this to give us time when we force ourselves to look inside and get things right with Him. So this is what I want to give you an opportunity to do right now. So Ms. Becker will come up to the piano, and she'll play. And we'll have a time of invitation. You can kneel there at your seats and pray. You can come forward and pray if you want to. But uh, even if maybe you think, well, I'm pretty much about right with God. Look, this is the time to get things right with God. Make sure that there's nothing there. Make sure that your heart is right with him. Make sure that you're clean before God. You know what the Bible says? We read it already. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says that when... When, when we confess our sins, he puts them as far away as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember them anymore. But it takes confessing. It takes confessing on our part to God. And look, because of what Jesus Christ did, we don't have to go through a man anymore. We don't have to go through a high priest. We can go directly to God himself. We can ask him directly for forgiveness for whatever it is that we need forgiveness for. And he forgives us. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how we want to come before the Lord when we take the Lord's Supper. So as the piano plays, the invitation is open. You can come forward. You can kneel there at your seats. But get those things right with God. We don't want to take the Lord's Supper unworthily. Ashley. Jesus Christ did for us. Um, here's what we're going to do, and this is the way that we do this, is that <clears throat> we're going to take the bread. I'm going to give it one to everybody, and you can just, just um, the piano will play, and as she plays, you just uh, think about what Jesus Christ did for us. I mean, what a, what a graphic picture in that song of, of, you know, I just, I sit there and I just picture everything that he went through for us, you know? Jesus Christ never would have had to die if I never sinned. He wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to go through any of these things. And so, boy, it's something that we ought to be so thankful for, but it's also something that we ought to use as an opportunity to remember what he did for us, you know? You think about somebody that, uh, 
maybe threw themselves in front of a, a bullet and died in your place, you know? Somebody shot you, and as they were shooting, somebody pushed you out of the way. They got hit, and they died. Boy, there would be memorials up for them. There would be all kinds of things. You would never forget what that person did for you, right? But because Jesus died 2,000 years ago, we forget so often and so easily, and it's sad that it's that way. He gave his life when he never had to give his life. He didn't do anything to have to deserve to die. He never sinned. And yet he went to the cross and died in my place because of my sin. And now I can go to heaven because of what he did. And that's a tremendous, tremendous sacrifice on his part. So as I pass these out, you just take some time to pray, continue in prayer, and, and continue in thought, remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. Forbes, could I get you to lead us in prayer, please? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 24, And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Thank you. 
release in prayer, please. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. If you would, just pass those into the end of your aisle, and the boys will pick those up when we're finished. The Bible says that when they left from that place, they sang in hymn, and so that's what we're going to do. Take your song books and turn to page 158, and we'll end with this hymn. Page 158. The next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. He's coming to take us home. We'll sing both verses, page 158. Sing it out nice and loud. From the lofty courts of heaven came above. Spirit 
Yeah.